This is Melanie Ake. Today on Everyday Leaders, you'll meet Deb Wapple as she shares her heartfelt story about her multi-generational Hoosier farm family that teaches us how they became a main mint farm for national brands such as Wrigley and Colgate for products that you and I use every day. What did it take to achieve this? Deb shares how consistency and sacrifice prepared them for a great harvest. There are many people to thank for the visibility of the Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 new Airstream mobile podcast studio. Christie's Design and Sign, located in Greenwood, Indiana, is one of the companies. We chose to include Christie to help us create the right messaging and visibility for our new mobile studio. Christie's Design and Sign can help you with your graphic and messaging needs for many projects. If you want a company that goes above and beyond for your business needs, choose Christie's Design and Sign. I'm really excited to share what's happening at Everyday Leaders. Go to everydayleaders.com. Subscribe to my website where you can learn strategies to become a leader in your own life. On the everydayleaders.com podcast page, you can connect to the guest of the 2019 Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit and listen to your favorite episodes of the Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. Now, if you're ready to take the next step and become a leader in your own life, go to my Everyday Leaders store, select the Life Strategies courses, corporate strategy workshops, or even personal coaching. Go to everydayleaders.com, subscribe, and keep up to date on all of our programs and valuable leadership lessons. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, Deb Wapple of Indiana. I'm so glad you're on the program tonight. Hello. Good evening, Joe and Melanie. Good evening. Good evening. (laughs) This is awesome to have you here. I know we've been working on this for about a year. I said last year, hey, Deb, I want you to come on Everyday Leaders because knowing you, we met through the John Maxwell team. You came on our boat even. It was so awesome. You brought so much fun food. And <laughs> and we just got to know each other. And, and I love you. And I love your story. So thanks for being a guest tonight. Well, I love you too. And I'm happy I made Joe laugh on the boat. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have a great, uh, the, the weather wasn't too good, but we oh. did have a lot of fun. I was playing so brave. <laughs> those waves i'm telling you in lake michigan sometimes it's good and sometimes it's uh really challenging so that's what we learned right we learned how to just uh come back to the dock and and hang out so it was a lot of fun it was a lot great of great navigating oh my gosh well well listen um you have such an important role you have been such an inspiration to me in watching you and the reason you know originally that i said hey I would love to share your story because you have so many hidden gems about what you do, how you've lived your life with success. 
what you believe in, your values. And I think it's really important for people, especially that's why this program was designed to really help share leadership lessons, overcoming obstacles, working through challenges, and knowing that at the end, you're still looking for your goal. You still want to hit a goal. And so you get up every day with that attitude of let's go do this. Right. And, and so you're one of those people that I really admire, Deb. And I'm, I just wanted to kind of, you know, as, as you said, you guys were nominated for the Indiana farm family of 2019. And that's a really cool honor. And I know you're really humble about that, but I want you to talk to the, to the listeners today and just share with us where you are in Indiana, what you guys are doing so successfully to be a big influence in farming uh, for, for Hoosiers. Well, thank you, Melody, Melanie, for those lovely words, but you inspire me. <laughs> you and Joe and what you're doing is just wonderful. Well, we are a farm family. It's kind of funny that I'm a farm wife because I wanted to marry a farmer. And now I'm like, oh, I went, why was that? <laughs> now, wait, it takes me back to, you know, the, um, you know, Eva, uh, Zsa Zsa Gabor and Eva Gabor and, and all those. Like <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't settling for whatever uh, Zsa Zsa's life. I, I actually wanted to marry a left-handed, curly-haired farmer. I set out. That, that was my desire. And guess what? My husband's left-handed. His hair was pretty wavy <laughs> and he definitely was a farmer and um it didn't help it didn't hurt then that he also had a brand new ford cougar <laughs> and we were set up on a blind date as so i said well he's left-handed i'm right-handed we married we've been married for 38 years and it's funny that larry jr then is ambidextrous <laughs> oh my gosh that's so great that is so great yeah so i don't know my dad farmed and I knew what kind of life it was. I knew he was never in the house and uh, worked long hours and every weekend. He also worked in a factory. And so his farming was his passion, but he never stepped out fully to make that his life. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I set out to marry a farmer, I guess because I love the wholesomeness, the honesty, the hard work. Mm -hmm. Um the country life, maybe. Mm -hmm. So don't ask me. Uh, sometimes now I call myself the faux farm wife because I, I don't um, plop the hogs. <laughs> we don't even have hogs. <laughs> <laughs> or feed the chickens. No chickens. All we have is a cat. We don't even have a farm dog. <laughs> but, but definitely, like they say, behind every good man is a good woman. And I have definitely been the supportive farm wife giving up the career of, that I loved mm -hmm. so that my sons and my husband could live their dreams. Mm -hmm. And uh, my very first Maxwell conference, I sat and listened to John Maxwell speak. And I thought, that's my son. He's talking about the values and the hard work and all that my sons and husbands are. And I'm, I was in tears at one point thinking, I gave up my dream, but for them, but then I realized my first dream was to raise a family like that. Mm. So uh, I gave up my secondary dream. I'll put it that way. And we've become um, one of the top farm families in the state. We actually were chosen, not just nominated, but chosen for that Indiana Farm Family of the Year. And, you know, it's a family business. And 
statistics show that 70% of family businesses don't make it into the second generation. Wow. And up to 90% fail to maintain their wealth into the third generation. It's a lot of times referred to as that third generation curse. And um, typically a quote goes like this, first generation starts it, second generation runs it, and a third generation ruins it. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, uh, that's so true. If you look at so many of these businesses, and and farming is so difficult. It's so difficult because of the hours, the commitment. You know, like you said, you you dreamed about I want to have this because you you had experienced that. But many people, you know, and so if you think about it, if you were a first generation and you designed it, and uh, and thinking that oh my gosh, if the kids don't want to take it over, what's that going to look like? Right? That's a lot of pressure for saying. Have I used my life and my gifts the way that I should? And mm-hmm. and so I love how you really, if, if people could close their eyes listening to this and think about when they're listening to someone else and they're getting inspired and they're thinking about all that they have sacrificed for the success that they have in their life mm-hmm. for, for other people. That's just an incredible selfless act. And, and so that's why it's so important to hear your story because there are so many people out there that feel like that doesn't mean anything. Like, well, that's just what you're supposed to do. Right. Mm. Right. I, I talk about that quote, do what you love and you never work a day in your life. And um, someone, I was trying to look that up and they said, Oh, it came up with Confucius. And then it's like, no, it didn't. It came out of confusion. <laughs> <laughs> and then I joke, I think a millennial wrote that <laughs> because now that I love millennials, we have a lot of them working for us. But anyway, it, it, it is a lot of hard work. So doing what you love means maybe it's not dreaded work, but it is hard work. It's mm-hmm. extremely hard work because it's not eight to five, you know, at all. No. And, and you guys, mm-hmm. so tell for people that don't know, when and you're located in northern Indiana, and, yep. and so I want you to talk about, you know, what you farm how you guys decided to do that specifically, and then really about the influence, the systems that you've created in place and the influence that you have now in, in the community and, and the world. Mm-hmm. Well, my we're up in the northwest corner, just about an hour and 45 minutes southeast of Chicago. So um, up in the region area, uh, not far from the region. And uh, we're in our third generation, deep into our third generation. And we say our third generation didn't ruin it, or they're just taking it to a whole new level with technology and hybrids and stuff. And so my father-in-law was a farmer back um, just after or during the Depression, and he was a small farmer. And uh, my husband quickly learned to love farming and uh, took over and took it a whole, to a whole new level when his dad retired. And um, one of our guiding principles I talk about is the family integrity. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's this, let me see, this commercial. Uh, my, my father-in-law and mother-in-law did very well during that time, and they actually were able to live off the interest from their savings when they retired. And that was back when interest was 10 to 12%, though. But they, my father-in-law was taken over by Alzheimer's, my mother-in-law by dementia, and and their health care was like $300,000, so that took all their savings. And then we had to buy out the family farm 
that from his brother for like 350000 But I said, okay, the price of integrity mm-hmm. and the legacy left was priceless. Mm-hmm. My father-in-law was a man of high integrity and highly respected by the neighbors. And so my husband and my sons are carrying on that legacy, and that's one of our core values mm-hmm. to keep that up. Mm-hmm. And, so, um, and they all started with, good old fashioned sweat and brawn. And one of my, we had foreign caregivers come help with the in-laws and they lived right there. And um, this one lady said, my mom always taught us, you cannot get rich getting dirty and digging ditches. Larry senior dirty all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, coming from her country, she thought we were rich, you know, we appeared to be rich. So we did. And we all, they all start out with sweat and brawn. Mm-hmm. My my son worked. We also we grow beans, soybeans and corn and peppermint. Totally about nine thousand five hundred acres in five counties. And uh, during their young youth years, they were out in those fields in the summer, hoeing weeds out of the mint fields mm-hmm. to use less herbicides and um, to keep the the end product, the mint oil which we produce. Uh, you know. Um, with good clarity and good um, purity. Mm-hmm. I have a story about their friends used to work too. We've helped a lot of young people save money for college and they would be out in those fields, five or six little boys hoeing away and uh, trying to pass the hard, boring, hot days. And I kind of felt sorry for them, but their dad made them. Anyway, <laughs> well, they, honestly, they wanted to. They really made the best of it. So they called one day and said, Mom, there's five of us out here. Between all of us, we've come up with the first, second, and last verse of Amazing Grace. We just can't come up with that third one. Can you help us out? (laughs) And I thought, oh, aren't they wonderful? They're just great Christian boys, you know, singing Amazing Grace and Bible school songs. Well, a couple weeks later, I overheard them talking about naming their hose. <laughs> you know, their weeding implements. Yep. And I was joking. I'm like, oh, yeah, they named their hose even. And, and one of them pulled me aside and said, Mom, you probably shouldn't repeat that. <laughs> so, so they did all kinds of things to pass that time. But really, um, one of our core values is we require that good old fashioned sweat equity, you know, and that makes you learn every aspect of the business. It helps them. Um, respect the business they've earned it and therefore they never feel entitled well once in a while now but (laughs) but but that that is a definite basic core value for us too Mm -hmm. well and you just can't teach that today you can't just go to school and read a book and say oh Mm -hmm. I learned that because there's so much that on the job training you know farming is you've got to know the machines and like you said the technology and the influence Mm -hmm. of how you're going to get that to the right buyer. Like, you know, you just can't Mm -hmm. crop, you know, harvest your crop and then say, okay, somebody's going to come get this. Oh, marketing is major, major (laughs) part of the business. And especially the mental oil, it takes a lot of networking and, um, and having the high top quality products. So when Wrigley looks for oil for their gum, they go to the best, the best farmers, the ones with the sustainability, the purity, and their oil. Yeah, Colgate and Wrigley are, are probably our biggest customers. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty amazing for people that are listening to this and go, 
wait, a farm in Indiana? What? Huh? What? Yeah. <laughs> but when you think about, and, and, you, and mint is such a relaxer, and if you do a lot of research and all these oils today, but, you know, it relaxes a lot of muscles. It, it helps fight off spiders. <laughs> There's some common household uses for it. But, you know, the, every day when you think about the industry and just the, the marketing behind Wrigley and Colgate, when you say those two names, those are big, big names in, in the world, not just Indiana. And so. Yeah, and I rub elbows with them. And it's so <laughs> awesome. But, but, you know. And they you actually have, send executives to the farm. Oh, yeah, they want to understand why we want so much uh, price for our mint oil. Mm-hmm. 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 They actually come to see the labor-intensive job it is. But it's so important because companies like that, you know, that's what it is all about, is joining and partnering with with the people and the influencers that you believe in that are part of, we mm-hmm. talk about the tribe, right? But when you find that in business and you have that kind of a trust and a relationship, you know that it's for the good. And so it makes it a very successful um, partnership. And so without that, you know, without being able to say we have processes in place and and this is our work ethic and our integrity and finding, you know, through marketing, but but finding people that they understand your integrity and your credibility. That's why you have that business. And it, it, it is because of that. And so it's something to be really proud of, you know, saying that, yeah, you were nominated and you were selected and you won this and recognized as the Indiana Farm Family of 2019. That's huge. Uh, and, and people may just go, oh, you know, yeah, that that was a recognition for that year. That's a lot of work. And so you guys should all be very, very proud uh, of that. And you're starting. And I want you to talk about, you know, when the Purdue team, so Purdue University, for those of you that are listening, this is in Indiana. So Purdue University isn't far from where that your farm is. And I know you've had... Um, some of the the teams from the agriculture and and farming come and take a look at your farm as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So first off, if you Google our name, you will find lots of articles, but you won't find that we're the Indiana farm family of the year because my son's declined the honor. (laughs) So I'm mad at him. I canceled Thanksgiving, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but um, they have their lots of reasons. For one thing, they're just coming off of a very hard spring. You know, you heard of all the floods they had us to, um, well, the harvesting and the irrigating and, and of the mint, and then deep into corn and beans, they just are finishing tomorrow. So there's a lot of reasons they declined, but uh, I wasn't happy. <laughs> yeah, so Purdue brings their new ag faculty every other year to our farm um, to, you know, to observe. We give them tours. We talk about sustainability. And so they do that. And, you know, you said about trying to find that common language because large farmers sometimes have take a bum rap. And that's what the, the purpose of this Farm Family Year was to help people understand what farmers do. The nomination consisted of what we do for the community, what we do for the, the nationally and internationally and uh, how we sustain our land and our resources and all that. So they do try to understand just this summer we got a call on it and um, it was a group called sustainability and agriculture initiative. And they were large, very large companies from around the world, around the world together every year for a conference. 
and about every six years it's in the United States. So they called us and said, can we come to your farm for a field trip? And um, I said, well, who would be coming? And they said, well, companies like PepsiCo, Keurig, Nestle. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like, really? Mm -hmm. And um, McCain Foods, the biggest potato uh, food processor in the world. And so we entertained them. And, I mean, I prepared, prepared for that. So my part of the program was to give them the whole history of a family farm because their point, their um, purpose was so they could understand family farm. Mm -hmm. And so we could get common language and common respect. And so a big part of that program is how we are sustain sustainability. We have precision prescription farming where every bit of our herbicides and fertilizers are exactly prescribed per acre on our farm. We don't over fertilize, under fertilize. Um, we do some underground irrigation to reserve, preserve water evaporation and all of our containment facilities. So that was part of the portion of the tour and the talk. And then mine was on the sustainability of a family farm in the 70, into the 75th year now. And um, that was really great. But what wasn't great is I, oh, this won't surprise you, but I had it on my calendar for Friday. <laughs> And they called Wednesday and said, Deb, we'll be there in an hour. And I'm like, no, no, you, no, what? And so thank God for all the preparation and uh, practice. And, and someone, one of my best friends said, I bet that's the first time in history the entire Wapple family farm came to a complete halt <laughs> everybody stopped what they're doing go get the chairs go get the screen um we actually sat the 60 inch tv up on a forklift the the forklift you know how lift, we and you know the day before i thought that was kind of a cool creative idea why don't we raise it on the forklift well, that day, I'm like, this is so redneck <laughs> because we had to do it, you know. But luckily, all the guys on the farm had cleaned everything and everything was prepared. It was just um, I didn't I wasn't able to make my mint mojitos. But, you know, part of being a leader is that flexibility. They were going to be virgin, <laughs> but made with our fresh mint. And so I couldn't do that at the last minute. We had gift bags. We had PowerPoints. Everything was ready, but we couldn't do the mojitos. So we raided the pot machine, sliced. I told my husband, you go on the walking tour first. We need 45 minutes in here. So I had my house cleaner here. Come to the farm, I called her, you know. And um, my the lady that was doing the tech was here that morning. I'm like, okay, you have to send everybody to the farm. So we sliced our limes and put wedges of lime over the edge of the iced tea bottle <laughs> and um it happened to be those iced tea that products were from seven up who was there she thought that was so cool <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it was just a very good exercise in leadership how do we make this happen when things are going very off schedule most people and would freak out most most people would be like, oh, my gosh, what in the world? How are we going to get this done? But like, I freaked said, out and screamed for one minute. <laughs> you know, it's like John Maxwell says, um, celebrate for 24 hours and grieve for 24 hours. Well, I, I went 
flipped out for one minute. <laughs> and then my friends are like, I can't believe this. I can't believe you pulled this off. They're like, well, I had to. Mm-hmm. It was like I was hoping to gain some business too, maybe speaking to these companies in the future. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to serve them wonderfully, and we did. They said it was their best tour. And I just thought, all I said when they gathered was, hi. I'm going to say this once. We thought you were coming Friday. Yes. And they just thought that was hilarious. And he said he checked his emails. The organizer checked his emails all the way here, that hour drive, and said he could not find one email where he gave me the date. And I said, well, the teacher and me thought all field trips on Friday, I guess. (laughs) So so what did you learn? What was the biggest aha? To watch my eye personality and to read things more uh, detailed, to see that there was no date. <laughs> um, I had taken notes of our phone conversations. I had every detail, but not a date. So uh, my big takeaway from all these, you know, I joke about rubbing shoulders with Wrigley and Colgate and all these big companies. They're just people. Mm-hmm. They are just people like you and I, you know, and one time the Colgate guys actually came to our house and I'm looking at them like they're in jeans and t-shirts. What? Well, then I learned they dress down because they're coming to a farm and they want to, you know, relate to the farmer. And I, I told them, you know, I like a man in a suit once yes. in a while too. <laughs> that was a disappointment to me, but they're just, they're just people doing their jobs and doing their best. just like us, you know, mm-hmm. because sometimes you feel like, Oh, we're farmers and we're out in the middle of nowhere and, and we're different and we really aren't. You know, people are people. And meeting all these people from around the world through the Maxwell team, you know, we all smile and laugh alike and cry alike. And mm-hmm. it's been a great experience. It is. It, it's such a great experience because it teaches you, you know, I, I, when you say sustainability, I think that's one of the things that John really influences in our mind is how do you become to a certain level and sustain that so that you can have success, but then it's about how do you add significance, you know, and I think that's the key is, is most people say, oh, I've got the things that I want. I have material possessions or I have a great family. I've been able to achieve an education. But then when you think about like how many people will really get to the level of significance to give back to the world, to have influence Mm -hmm. in the world. And that's what I think, you know, is interesting about your family story is that's been a legacy that you all have decided that that's what's going to happen no matter what. Yeah. And it's, and it, you know, that's the point and it's more nationally and internationally than in our own hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we have a legacy in our own hometown too, but you really don't realize that you just feel like sometimes we live in the poorest County in the state almost. We're like third from the bottom. So sometimes we just feel like they look at us as these, quote, rich people, you know, and and we're not like a big um, company that gives free signs so everybody can see what you do. Or um, We just do it quietly. You know, when I was thinking about this nomination, I, I looked it up and we we support 18 to 20 different organizations and donations during the year. Mm-hmm. We hire a young man. He's 24 now. He's worked for us nine years. He has um, a disability. He was, he'll tell you his fetal alcohol baby. And uh, he's worked on the farm and absolutely loves his job. We have three or four firemen, uh, volunteer firemen that work at the farm and they can go anytime to, um, to their calls. 
So there are things locally, uh, but I guess, yeah, we've reached internationally and, and it just, you know, it happens. And then you think, well, I should feel really good about this. But what I felt really good about is helping them understand common language with farms, you know, and with each other. And because we think poorly of them sometimes, too, because, oh, they want us to be sustainable. Oh, we can't this. Are we? You know, and so now we just know we we respect each other. Mm-hmm. And you, you talked about that. How do you keep going, you know, and when it's hard? And I loved it one time when John Maxwell said, you fuel inspiration with anticipation. And that's one of our guiding principles, that we always have the next thing to look forward to in the work. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the goals and the growth that we anticipate. And that does keep you inspired, mm-hmm. you know. So um, just like the next next way to be sustainable, we, we now have a solar field that power five of our irrigation systems and the whole farm shop, all the grain drying system, all the mint distilling systems are now solar powered. So it's just to it keep you um, challenged and inspired. Mm-hmm. How do you learn? Like, what? How, where do you guys go to get your information? Who leads you? Who influences you? Who inspires you in the farming communities? Well, we've actually been called the innovators, <laughs> some of the innovators, mm-hmm. the earliest innovators and drivers of the newest techniques and technologies. I guess it's um, my my son referred to my husband one time as relentless. He was applying to be a seed corn dealer at one time when he was in college and. They didn't like college. They just wanted to be back to the farm, but we made them go to Purdue. <laughs> we told them, don't don't even major in ag if you don't want it. Just you need to go out and do that first. So anyway, he in his little opening letter, he said he's been raised by a, a father who's relentless, and uh, he has just kind of an internal drive to be the best, do the best. He had his goals of how many acres he wanted to own by a certain age, and um, you know, he, he wasn't afraid, you know, to try the next step. And so I think my son's got that from him. And now my one son goes around, he's going to be in Nebraska speaking at a ag conference on the technologies we use. And they went to Florida once to meet with, um, companies who invited us just to come see all their newest products. And, and some of those we brought back to the farm. So I, I, there's something about the inner drive, and I think there's something about that hard work mm-hmm. <laughs> that I guess I don't know. But it, it helps you. Well, it helps you when we say, you know, here we are in the Midwest, right? We're the heartland of America. And so it's pretty flat <laughs> in the areas that you it live in. Is. So when it rains, it floods, and that water doesn't have really anywhere to go. And, and, and so how do you really think about, you know, the environment? And we talk about this in leadership so much, like if you could change the environment, but what do you guys do? What have you put in place to, to be able to be more, um, I, I guess, responsive to the changes that you can't control? Well, you're making me think of my honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> the night we got married, it rained five inches all at once oh in June. God. well the next wait the night before well no the next night because (laughs) the wedding at the reception place where we had a reception on a friday the next night they could not hold the reception there because it flooded because it was around a lake (laughs) so 
We just went away for two days. My husband literally came home, changed his clothes, put his boots on and grabbed a shovel to go out and actually shovel water, little ditchways to get water off the field. Now that was 38 years ago. He's come a long way with his supplies, but I'm like, I should have known. I should have known how it was going to be. Just dumped me home after the honeymoon and took up. And so they have lots of drainage ditches. They have lots of underground tile. I have watched in 1988, we had a major disastrous drought. And my husband actually bore underneath roadways to run irrigation pipes and hoses to irrigate the mint. And the mint was in very short supply that year because it was a, it, mint is only grown in our part of the Midwest and then far west in three or four states. So when the Midwest had a disastrous drought, there was a shortage of mint oil. So he drug, and this was before we had our big center pivots, he drug hoses and set pipes and irrigated that mint. And we had good yield and got a high price. Mm-hmm. Talk about the year your ship comes in and of the most unlikely year of all, you know. So they work to make do. Like this year, the floods, there were farmers that left their fields not planted so they could collect um, insurance. Wow. Well, my sons would, in between rains, they would go out at midnight sometimes to plant a field so that between rains so they could get it in. They're... Dignity and pride won't let them just sit back and collect insurance, although that insurance costs thousands and thousands of dollars in premium. Mm-hmm. But that's not their way. That's not in their DNA. And so they got everything planted and really were amazed at the yield mm-hmm. of that late planted crop because after a certain date in May, they say you lose an acre of a bushel of corn each day for planting late. But um, I, I, that's one of our... Uh, guiding principles we operate under a higher purpose too mm-hmm. uh, it gives us the love and dedication to do the jobs beyond just trying to make a living they want to do their very best um, we have a mission statement about taking care of the land that god has endowed us to take care of you know god created the earth and then put man on it to care for it so we just take our role to protect it, produce from it, and bless others with it to the highest ability and our genuine sincerity. So that's what drives them. Mm-hmm. Well, and you think about, because when you're, when you're faced with challenges, when you have that kind of a mission and you say, we're up against something that we don't know, most people wouldn't be able to figure out. But when you talk about the irrigation under the roads to be able to save the men and and that's huge. The creative thinking, the process that goes along with that, just the commitment of thinking. Like, you know, some people could sit here and say, oh, I'm going to get my journal out and we're going to think of two or three ways that we might be able to change this or improve our situation. But for you guys, your family, you change the situation, you change the solution. And, and that's what's so important. And, and that's what success is all about why you're able to now have significance in the entire world because you're committed to your process and you have lived through it and you've practiced it for years and years and now you're handing it on to the next generation. 
Yeah, that's a lot of trade-offs you have to give up to grow up. Um, and, and it is it is quite a, we do have to give up some things. You know, I have to give up my picture of family meals on Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. because the boys, the sons live here six days and nights a week. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to come back on Sunday afternoon. So that's, that's a little bit of a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, there are parties they don't go to. Um, there's, but, you know, my sons are really good. They're dads. We have seven granddaughters. Talk about sustainability. <laughs> I tell the neighboring farmers, oh, yeah, you're happy. We got all the girls because the competition, you know, but girls can farm. You know, mm-hmm. the farming is a science. It's technology. It is biology, um, mechanics, everything. So those girls are, they're, if they want to farm, it's wide open to them. Mm-hmm. And if some young farmer who doesn't have much land wants to marry one of them, he'll be pretty happy. Too, you know? <laughs> so, but, you know, they give up sometimes with the kids and the wives. I mean, the wives are so understanding and patient right now. Of course, the husbands make a very good living and mm-hmm. our, the men in our family are very generous, mm-hmm. but not with their time, but with their, their, profits Mm -hmm. so the wives have a good life but um i've had 38 years of it and i get pretty lonely lately because my husband is not slowing down yeah actually (laughs) opposite well you know when you're passionate about something and you said this at the very beginning you know when you love what you do you don't work a a day in your life and and so when you (laughs) you You don't dread a day of work you you don't that's my new my new twist on that you don't dread the days of work you work you just don't dread them mm-hmm. i know he comes home smiling i'm like you stayed all night at the farm and you're still smiling mm-hmm. but some people yeah. miss that message you know they will become accountants or or and they may love it but it's the dedication that you feel like you are creating some kind of you know unique value in the world because you can see your labor you can see the payoff. You can see everything mm. that you've put your hand in. And so reaping what you sow, that's <laughs> so true. You do. Yeah. Pretty much what's left at the end of the season. <laughs> I had one time, I was like so frustrated, the insects, the diseases, and then the county came mowing crops that were too close to the road. And I'm like, gee whiz, <laughs> um, I feel like knocking him off that tractor. Yeah. And so then at that point, I um, but what other industry does not have a roof over to protect it? Mm-hmm. You know, it our product is completely open to the elements. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had hail come through and just destroy 200 acres in a circle, you know, of hail mm-hmm. or wind. One year I was at church saying, oh, thank God it's raining. Praise the Lord. And I get home and our entire popcorn fields were flat. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> because all the wind that came with the rain. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we grew cucumbers for uh, about five years. And, you know, the harvesters come in, they're professional harvesters, and the companies have them set. They only take a certain size. And when you see your field covered with cucumbers because they overplanted acres, they, you know, and then so they throw your cucumbers back on the ground and you don't get paid for them. Wow. So that's some of the frustrations and some of what you deal with too. Mm-hmm. And all, all businesses have that. I mean, people who work in factories have to fear getting laid off. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. or downsizing. And, you know, I just heard the story about Capella's getting bought out by Bath Pro and how many hundreds of jobs that caused in this one little town in Nebraska. And so everybody has their challenges. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. But it's, you know, when you think about the legacy, and so when you say third generation you know, how important that is for people just to understand, you know, when, and we think, I don't know, I guess you look at Indiana because we're here and we think, well, farming is significant because there's a lot of farm fields, but there are many states across the country that if you take a drive instead of fly, if you take a drive through these places, there's lots of farms still, and there's lots of uh, property, you know, that is, um, that's still ready for development. And, and I think, well, when you talk about mint farming specifically, you said Indiana and then some states in the West. So how many would you say for the United States farm mint? Um, let's see, there's Michigan, Wisconsin, and Indiana here in the Midwest. And um, right in like a circle, not even far north, Wisconsin. And then out West is, Washington, Oregon are the bigger ones in the valleys, and just a little bit in Utah. We actually visited um, Utah in September, and we're able to tour all the Young Living Essential Oils um, headquarters, world headquarters, their lavender farm. and So that was very interesting because they buy mint oil Mm -hmm. from our supplies. Mm Well, you think about those places specifically, you know, you think of the moisture in the soil and so how you know, that can help um, with with everything that you're doing behind the scenes. You know, I mean, it's just not about the rain and the and the soil itself being wet, but you guys have the process down. And so uh, I think it's just really interesting for people that have not been in farming or don't have family uh, that are in farming what that really looks like on the back end and, and the commitment to that. So I just I just think it's wonderful for you to be able to share the story uh, for people because if they look at their own lives and say, yeah, you know, I gave something up or I went to school for the same thing that my family decided that, you know, it would be good for me to carry on accounting or banking or medicine, mm-hmm. whatever. This is so different because you just don't put the book down or you just can't, you know, say, I'm going to stop because you're always doing it. You're always concerned. Uh, like you said, being at church and the wind comes and the rain comes and you think what's going to happen where our livelihood is. And so it, it's just, it's a different lifestyle. And, and so I wanted you to come on and, and just celebrate you, Deb, because you guys uh, really, it's a, a really unique story. And I think people can learn so much from just the dedication, the commitment, your mission, the sustainability, the influence that you have in the world from, I don't want to say a little farm in Indiana, but just from your hard work mm-hmm. and your and your dedication to say, this is what we want to leave as our legacy in life. Well, I learned something new recently. Well, you know how corn and uh, so much of your food and that feeds the animals and the bean prices went way down because China's hog died. Mm-hmm. Well, recently in a rotary group, I learned you can't even get drunk without a farmer. Did you realize that? 
There's corn makes whiskey, wheat makes beer, and potatoes make vodka. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> we have an older farm wife in Rotary, our Rotary group, and she was Sergeant Arms, and she always talks about something about farming when it's her turn. And <laughs> she told us that. I'm like, I did not know that. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's a great icebreaker at a party, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I just I want to thank you. This has been really, really fun. Is there any um, any things that you guys are planning? Any tours that are coming up that you can share with us? Any excitement for 2020 that's happening on the farm? Well, um, not that I know of. I think it's Purdue came this last summer, so they I don't know. No, they should be coming this, this year, but most of it happens in the good weather, so we all schedule things in the winter. Um, some years were busier than others. We've even had singles and ag come, and there was a fix-up on our farm once. <laughs> they brought a, they took a tour across Midwest of farms, you know, singles and ag, uh-huh. and um, someone got hooked up <laughs> during that trip. <laughs> so just all kinds of, just never know who's going to call and want to come next. And um, my husband and I love doing the tours. My sons, you know, they have to shut everything down and cooperate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, Well, it would be a they, fun place to do a retreat, right? It's like, hey, if you're thinking about, <laughs> come up and learn true. something. Come up and learn something. Mm-hmm. Learn a lot about leadership. And, you know, I was complaining to one of my mentors about, you know, my family, stuff just happens organically. They don't sit down and plan who's doing what, because one of our uh, guiding principles, too, is the autonomy and independence, because each farm family member is in charge of a different process. So they're not all over each other. And that came through because of growing pains. Mm-hmm. There were three bosses on the farm. And so it got a little confusing with the employees when we grew and grew and grew and there was no plan on, okay, who's in charge of what? And one would tell them something and one would tell them. So they, it kind of organically involved, evolved that each have their separate uh, entities on the farm that they are in charge of. And um, I forgot my point. Did you have a question? There? <laughs> Just, you know, how are you planning? You know, how do you structure? Yeah. Yeah. So I was complaining to a mentor from the Maxwell team that they didn't plan this stuff. They just let it happen organically. Mm -hmm. And she says, well, you know, if things hadn't processed and and they hadn't had good mentorship from their dad and mom and this and that, it wouldn't have organically happened very well now, would it have? And I'm like, good point. I, I appreciate that insight. So, yeah, it kind of organically happened, the separate leadership positions on the farm. Uh, my one son, he doesn't care to be in the shop with several guys, you know, working on several different things. So he goes in the office separate and does our book work. So he calls himself the chief financial officer. And um, my other son says he's the chief operating officer because he kind of keeps everybody going and organized. And then my husband is the chief. We used to call him the chief Oh, micromanager. <laughs> he had to get over that. You know, he grew the thing from almost bottom up, and we'd call him a micromanager, and he'd puff up and was so proud of that. And we finally had to say, 
that's really not a compliment, Dad. <laughs> so now he's a chief CEO, and he does all the grain handling and still, you know, makes sure everything's going smoothly. So they just kind of made their own positions according to what they enjoy the most. One enjoys the seed corn. One enjoys the bean processing. One does all the irrigation while the other one's supervising all the mint uh, harvest. So it just came about according to their best interest areas, and it's working well. Well, and that's so wonderful because, you know, when they get to use their strengths, and, and we talk so much about that in leadership, is if you're doing something that you aren't strong in or that you don't have passion around, you know, it really, right. it makes you stop and think, like, why am I here? And so the boys carrying on this next generation it's so important for them to say, I, I get to do what I like in the business, for the business, for their life. And so whether the daughters or, you know, or the wives, whoever steps into those roles to help them next with the next generation, the fourth generation, that'll be amazing to watch because they're really taking on this responsibility um, and they know exactly where they fit. So it's what a great story. Well, and one of our insurance agents brought it to our attention that it took a lot of humbleness for my husband to, because it's very unusual for my husband just turned 65, for a farmer that age to turn over so much autonomy to his son. Very unusual. And so it took a lot of humbleness on his part to let them step up and take all this to a higher level. And we just had a neighbor, farmer died, he's 100 years old. Wow. He did not give up control until he was 97. Oh, my goodness. But he was very healthy and smart and had a clear mind. But still, mm -hmm. where does that leave your sons when you've had all this control all these years? And, you know, he wasn't bringing in technology and he wasn't studying all these hybrids like they could have had they been allowed. So allowing that autonomy is a great leadership um, strength. So when your sons went to Purdue, what did they what did they study primarily? What did they get a degree in? Yeah. Ag. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I tried. I told them maybe major in something else. I wanted them to be sure. Mm -hmm. You know, don't just step into this because it's here. There's potential. It's, you know, it's good profit. That's not happiness. And that's not going to sustain you in the long run because my husband's brother did that and it didn't last. He, he it just wasn't for him. And then he really didn't do anything else. So I just encourage them just, just major in anything else. And they would not, you know, although Eric, you know, after his first year, dad, you should be teaching here. These people just read out of the book. <laughs> they don't even know. But then his third year, he's like, you know, dad, we should be. And I you know, he yeah. started learning more. So, mm -hmm. yeah, they they uh, majored in different aspects of agriculture and kind of picked and chose classes they wanted. And and they made a lot of uh, relationships. They had a wonderful ag teacher in high school that said, make relationships, meet people. And now they share ideas across the state, you know, with with other fellow farmers that they met at Purdue and made connections with. And it's a real, it's a nice support system. One of my sons was really good at that. The other one's a little more quiet and independent, mm -hmm. but, um, but each play an important role. Well, exactly. Know? They each feed off of each other. And so 
What a, what a great opportunity, you know, for them to be able to grow this business now to the next level. And, and think, you know, we think about technology that changes. And I always go back to, you know, for people that are not millennials, but you think about 1995 when Windows came out. And it was named Windows 95 for a reason, right? <laughs> because it was mm -hmm. 1995. Now, that's not that long ago where we did not even have access to have real computers in our homes, the internet. And so to think about how technology has moved fast forward in just our homes, but now in mm -hmm. the farming world, and when you when you really think about Amazing. the solar, the irrigation, all of the things that are available, and, and it is gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger. And with AI technology coming in all these different industries, I mean, that's just really going to be able to change the way that, that we absorb and have nutrients. And uh, I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. So I know you guys are going to be a yeah. big part of that. It's hard to tell. I mean, as much as they, they just program everything in those tractors now and the fertilizing and everything, their yields are monitored continually. And they just program everything in and put the card in. And yeah, I think I credit... Uh, back in those about Eric was born in 85 and he was in third or fourth grade and the buddy program came in the schools for the deep rural schools, and their little elementary school of a hundred students each got a Macintosh computer to take home mm -hmm. and they had a lab in the, the uh, school it was a grant their teachers wrote and so Apple provided them and I think that's where he learned started his love of technology and he still has to throw it up to us that he wanted to invest in apple in 1995 <laughs> or, yeah i'm like you wouldn't have been here now you would have been rich yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean a 10 year old knew uh-huh but i don't know we just didn't take him seriously and busy and yeah he but yeah that would have been something he just had the business side that's the thing you know when you are surrounded by people that inspire you and you're influenced by them and you think I can be creative just like your husband has taught your family what are the things that you got to do when you get through challenges you got to be creative and figure out a solution and so mm -hmm. that's what's carried on and you can tell and and so that's the message here right for people that are kind of going well I don't have those resources or I don't have that legacy or I haven't been in this that long to be able to have permission mm -hmm. to think differently, right? It, that's that's what uh, we want to inspire people to do those things, to sit sit back and go, how could I create a solution around it? Um, because you never know how you're going to change and inspire everybody else in the world because of it. That's true. No excuses. We don't hear excuses here. Mm-mm. There's, where there's a well, there's a way. Oh my gosh, Deb, this has been awesome. I just absolutely love you and your family. I can't wait to to be able to share this uh, with everybody and and have them connect to your story. And uh, I'm going to definitely um, post tons of pictures uh, for the farm. Anything that you send me that I'm allowed to. <laughs> but uh, for people oh. that. You know, people that are going to be driving through northern Indiana on their way from Indianapolis to Chicago or up to Michigan City or South Bend, if they want to take a little detour and swing by and see exactly where you guys are, this is an amazing place. And uh, to know that the things that you're doing are really changing 
uh, the things that we do in our life. So without uh, without you, Colgate, Wrigley's, <laughs> many of these companies, they wouldn't be able to, to have the products uh, at the level that they do. So thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, for all that you guys are doing and the hard work that you're putting in. Well, thanks for this opportunity. It was really good for me to review and appreciate the business myself after talking to you. So we take it for granted and I sometimes hate it. <laughs> yep. It's important though. It's so important. We get into, we sometimes as leaders too, you know, you get so humble and think I'm just doing this because it's what we do, but, but really being able to have someone celebrate you and I think it's super important uh, because others need to to reach out and say, hey, that's awesome, right? Without you, without what you were doing and sacrificing for me, this world would be different. And so I just really appreciate you. And so I celebrate you today. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you. You're welcome. Have a, have, a great, have a great trip to Florida. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Melanie Ake with Everyday Leaders. I wanted to invite you to join my leadership class. It's Life Strategies 101, where I'm gonna take you through the everyday 15 laws of growth. It's an amazing journey. It's 15 weeks with me as your personal coach. Join me, everydayleaders.com, and sign up today.